Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Is there a safe way to interact with a poltergeist? Is the nature of paranormal events changing? Well, okay. And also, uh, my fourth question uh, that is not in the script, how old is Ben today? Who knows? <laughs> it's his birthday, anyway. Greetings and welcome to the 583rd broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Paul, and uh, those are my questions, I guess. And uh, I'm here with my son, Ben, who is uh, 23 today. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, I am. It, I, I have reached level 23. Yes. <laughs> uh, this evening, we bring you a wide-ranging discussion with a distinguished guest who has never been on the show before, and we welcome your calls. It's 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, 401-766-1240 locally. Also, we will monitor Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com for emails. Tim R. Schwartz is an Indiana native and an Emmy Award-winning television producer and videographer. He's the author of a number of popular co-author and co-author or co-author of a number of popular books, including The Lost Journals of Nikola Tesla, America's Strange and Supernatural History, UFO Repeaters, which has an entire chapter on 1240 radio personality and UFO pioneer Joe Ferrier, Secret Black Projects, Time Travel, a how-to guide, and several more. He is contributing writer for a number of other books and to many magazines. An Emmy Award-winning photojournalist, Tim has investigated paranormal phenomena and other mysteries from such diverse locations as the Great Pyramid in Egypt to the Great Wall of China. He has worked with television networks such as PBS, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, ESPN, and uh, Thames TV, and the BBC. He also has appeared on the History Channel's program Ancient Aliens and the History Channel's Latin America series Contacto Extraterrestre. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Tim also writes and edits the online newsletter Conspiracy Journal, a free weekly online, uh, I should say, email newsletter considered essential reading by paranormal researchers worldwide. Tim co-hosts the webcast program The Outer Edge, heard on PSN Radio and TheOuterEdge.com. His main website, ConspiracyJournal.com. So, Tim Schwartz, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Well, I thank you very much, guys. It's a pleasure to be with you tonight. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. So... Tim, you're a renaissance man, so it's kind of hard to know where to start with you. So let's begin with um, some common ground here between you and my dad, and that is poltergeists. Mm -hmm. uh, you and my dad were on a uh, radio panel together last month. It was last month. Yeah, it was yes. last month. On Tim Beckley's show, uh, Unraveling the Secrets. And uh, you talked about how you interacted with a stone-throwing poltergeist. So what's the story there? Yeah, it uh, it actually was a, a stone dropping poltergeist uh, rather than uh, tossing stones uh, around. Uh, <laughs> this uh, this thing was uh, dropping them from the uh, ceiling of a uh, of a house in uh, Springfield, Ohio, which is a little town just a little bit north and east of Dayton. Um, I worked there. Uh, I worked in Dayton at a, a television station. This took place in uh, 1984, and um, <clears throat> there had been um, all over the news that previous spring uh, the, uh, the the Columbus, Ohio poltergeist case, um, which uh, there's there's was a really great book written about it a couple of years ago called Unleashed. And uh, 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 our station was contacted 
uh, by this couple, uh, elderly couple who uh, who lived in this house in Springfield, and they said that uh, their house was haunted too. They had seen, you know, all the reports about the uh, Columbus, Ohio case, and they, you know, were wanting to know if the same thing was happening to them. Um, they did not want any publicity, though. Good idea. Uh, yeah, well, um, and I can't say as I blame them. I mean, uh, if anybody is familiar with what happened uh, to the uh, Columbus, um, Ohio poltergeist case, I mean, that just, uh, that became a media circus. And I should know because uh, I was there when it was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the uh, um, the assignment editor knew that I was interested in this kind of stuff, so he told me about it. And I contacted the, I contacted these people, and I and I told them, you know, that uh, I was interested in looking into the case, you know, what was going on there. But I promised that, you know, this wasn't going to end up on television or, or, or anything like that. I I was just, uh, you know, I was just interested. I I wanted to come over and see what was going on. So I was able to take my uh, television equipment with me, which uh, and and. And that time, it was a, a three-quarter inch uh, camera and deck and, and just a bunch of batteries as, as well as big NICAD batteries. And uh, went over uh, to their place, a little ranch-style house. I mean, nothing to distinguish. I mean, it wasn't, you know, like this, you know, a gothic mansion with bats flying out of the uh, attic <laughs> or anything like that. Just a, just a normal little farmhouse, you know, just out in the middle of a, uh, of a cornfield. And um, what had happened was that um, about a month or two previously, um, this couple adopted, or really they uh, it was it was an official adoption, but they their their two grandchildren came to live with them because uh, unfortunately both their parents uh, were in jail. And uh, it was a, a boy around ten years old, and then a girl uh, who was uh, twelve. And shortly after these kids moved in, then um, the poltergeist activity started. You know, it started out with uh, 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 knocks on the wall, um, uh, raps on the furniture. Uh, things started to move around and disappear, show up at other places. Um, uh, uh, whispering voices, uh, just from all over the house. I mean, you know, they, they, they could hear people... It sounded like people talking in one room, and when they would go into that room, there was nothing there, but then the voices moved to another room. And it was just kind of like a cat-and-mouse game. You know, they would follow these voices around, uh, but the voices always managed to stay just a step ahead of them. And, you know, it was a situation where they could never tell just exactly what the voices were saying, but they knew, I mean, you know, it, it sounded like, you know, people having a conversation. So when I went over there with my equipment... Almost as soon as I got into the house, all the batteries that I had with me for uh, my my uh, video equipment died. Well, that's common. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, and, you know, in nineteen you know, eighty four. I mean, uh, this this wasn't something that you know was was widely known. So I mean, I was pretty shocked. And I mean, you know, we're talking about um, these were NICAD batteries. You had one that went on to the back of the camera. And then uh, another one that went into the actual tape deck, which, you know, you had to sling across your shoulder. And then I also had um, a battery belt that would run 
uh, we called it a sun gun. This was this was a big big old light that went on top of the camera, and uh, and and it was dead as well. Um, and I mean these were I mean they weren't new batteries, but um, they were fully charged when I got there, and you know each one would last you know maybe a couple of hours of continuous work. Every one of them was dead, and naturally uh, I didn't bring a a still camera. Uh, you know, uh, like a, like a Polaroid or anything like that. I trusted my uh, my video equipment. I mean, it never let me down before, but this time it sure did. So I took notes and you know was sitting around, uh, you know, talking uh, 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 to these people. We were in the living room. It was probably about uh, you know about six o'clock in the evening, and this this would have been in in, in August of uh, of uh, nineteen eighty four. So it was still light outside. And all of a sudden, we heard um, an extremely loud bang. That's the only way I could describe it. And, and, and you could almost feel the house shake from it. And the, uh, uh, the, the, the wife said, oh, it's going to start. And then all of a sudden, um, from the me- middle of the ceiling, uh, little rocks started to appear and fall to the floor. Now there wasn't a you know there wasn't a light or anything in the middle of the ceiling. It was just uh, you know just a regular. Um, um, uh, gosh, I think now I think about it. I think it was like you know like you call it a popcorn ceiling, uh, you know with that that you know kind of plaster you know on mm. it. But these little rocks just uh, you, you could see them. They were they were white, maybe you know a little less than an inch in diameter, and they would just appear. It looked like maybe about an inch below the ceiling and then fall to the floor. And uh, this this went on for a couple of minutes. Got like maybe you know uh, six or seven of them. And I mean, we just sat there. <laughs> and you know, it's one of these situations where you know you, you always say, "Oh well, you know, if I see something strange happening, you know, I'm just immediately going to get up and you know grab my camera and all that." No, no, no. We just sat there and just kind of stared at it with our mouths hanging open, you know, so much for, you know, the illustrious ghost hunters, you know, <laughs> we were. But uh, after they after they fell to the floor, I walked over and I, I picked them up, and, you know, my memory says that, that, that the rocks were warm to the touch. They weren't hot, but it, it, they felt to me that they were a little bit warmer than, than they should have been. Mm-hmm. And so I got the idea. I remember reading a story by um, uh, Ivan T. Sanderson, who had a similar experience one time. So I took my, a magic marker and I marked each one of these rocks with an X. And then I went to the back door, and uh, uh, they had a, a small backyard. And then almost immediately behind the house was a cornfield. And being in August, you know, the corn was really high at this point. So I took every one of these rocks and I just chucked them one at a time into this cornfield. Shut the door, came, sat back down on the couch again. Almost immediately, the phenomena started again, little rocks falling from the ceiling. It was the very same rocks that I had marked with an X <laughs> coming back. I love that story. <clears throat> See, you, you profoundly impressed me when we were on Tim Beckley's show, Tim, uh, because uh, you seem... You're, uh, not only your, your outstanding background and, and length of experience with this, but you, you have your feet on the ground, and I respect that. And so that, that's one of the reasons we asked you to start with that story. <clears throat> also, because that has never happened to me. But I was doing my worst poltergeist 
of course, a case was 10 years before that, and just about everything happened except the rock thing. <laughs> but, that, but that is relatively common. It's a good thing there weren't any boulders, I suppose. Now, let me ask you uh, something I didn't have a chance to ask you on Tim's show. Mm-hmm. The, the, these rocks, were, were they roughly the same size, and what, what sort of rocks were they? Uh, they're uh, 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 limestone. Um, limestone, okay. Yeah, the same, uh, the same kind of rocks that, uh, uh, well, I mean, at least here in the Midwest. Uh, Very soft, soft rock, then. Yeah, yeah, relatively so. I mean, they're they're used uh, uh, quite a bit in uh, um, on in driveway, driveway rocks, yeah, what we yeah. call it. To, and in fact, the very same kind of rocks were outside uh, um, in their driveway. Okay, I mean, I have the very same rocks right now uh, in 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 my driveway. They're they're very ubiquitous, you know, in this in this area, um, you know, uh, to use. So I mean, that's uh, I I just I mean, you know, just I surmise that that's where they came from because they looked almost exactly. Uh, like the rocks that you'd find uh, that you found in their front uh, yard and everybody else's front yard in the area. Mm-hmm. What was the outcome of that case? I have read about it, but you know, um, right after that, right after that incident, um, they uh, I, I kept in contact with them for a little while because uh, shortly, a few months later in October, I, I I got another job in Indianapolis and moved there. Uh, but I maintained, uh, you know, contact with them, and uh, they told me that after that situation, that the phenomena died down considerably, and then eventually just just went away. It was almost like it used up all of its its energy at that point. I mean, it it never was, you know, like uh, uh, you know what you would call a spectacular uh, uh, poltergeist case. I would say it was this. It was you know, if you could call poltergeist cases common, this one seemed to be fairly common. Uh, I mean, you know, there there, there never was any, uh, you know, like really violent activity. Nobody was thrown around the house or sucked into a television or yeah. you know, <laughs> or, yeah. or anything like that. <clears throat> but it did seem like that after that incident, um, everything calmed down considerably. Which, you know, because I talked to them quite a bit and explained to them what you know what you know we knew at the time. Uh, generally happened with poltergeist cases. Um, I, I wondered if that may not have had something to do with it because I mean they were pretty freaked out when I first got there. But then after I told them that you know usually these types of cases don't last that long, that you know they they, they just kind of peter out after a while, and that you know, you're not dealing with you know like demons or you know the devil or, or anything like that. That you know, nobody really knows, but there there are some explanations. And I think that they were just kind of relieved that um, that first of all somebody was listening to them and not making fun of them, mm-hmm. and you know, and and they and they were able to you know uh, talk about what was going on. But I mean, before I talked to them, they they really they, they kept it a secret. They hadn't told anybody about it, and uh, so uh, um, and, and also you know the kids. Um, they accepted. They they learned to accept their situation. That you know, I mean, they were going to be living with grandpa and grandpa for yeah. a while, and I and I think that that, that helped uh, the atmosphere as well. One thing that you were uh, you said earlier that really caught my attention was that other people called you saying that they were having similar things, or at least one other one other person called you and said they were having something similar. Uh, I wish that. Back in the 70s, when I was doing a lot of poltergeist stuff, um, that I had known then what I at least suspect now, and that's 
something that Ben and I work on a lot, which is uh, these things affecting an entire area, you know, never assuming that it's just one family or one house, mm-hmm. and uh, looking at it um, uh, in, in a broader perspective. Now, the fellow who wrote the book on, on that Bridgeport case I referred to in 74, Bill Hall, uh, world, World's Most Haunted House, uh, later on, and when he was working on the book a few years ago, actually uncovered evidence of, of surrounding houses having issues as well, but not daring to say anything because the press was all over the the Lindley Street house, you know, at the behest of Ed Warren. So <laughs> they didn't want that kind of chaos. But uh, uh, have you found in subsequent cases, whether it be UFOs or any paranormal work at all, or you know, anywhere in the world where you've been, and want to get into that too in a minute, uh, that things uh, tend to be more more widespread than suspected, or has that come up? Oh, definitely, uh, I, and I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, now, uh, the, the case of Springfield that we were just referring to, I mean, these people, I mean, they their nearest neighbor was probably about a mile away, so it wasn't a situation where uh, if there was anything going on, it 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 could have spread other places. Mm. However, uh, there have been situations, and I know that you know uh, Tim Beckley has said the same thing, but. Uh, um, I have gone to investigate, say, like a, uh, a UFO sighting over a neighborhood. And uh, you know, there was one particular family who, who had made this report. And when I went and talked to uh, neighbors, um, I ran into just all kinds of unusual uh, uh, reports of paranormal activity. Uh, people across the street... Um, they said that they had uh, a ghost in their house that had been there for a couple of years. Uh, and this was, I mean, this, uh, again, this was just a, like a normal house, no, uh, I mean, not, not that old. They'd been the only family living there, but they kept saying that there was a, uh, a little boy who was, uh, in the basement. They'd go down the basement and they'd see, you know, like a little boy standing in the shadows. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, uh here in Indiana, uh, I investigated a, um, uh, a series of Bigfoot sightings near Vincennes, Vincennes, Indiana, which is uh, sits along the uh, um, the Wabash River, uh, right uh, next to uh, Illinois. And uh, at the same time that uh, people were seeing uh, some kind of a Bigfoot type creature, other people were reporting uh, UFO activity. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, I mean there there does seem to be some kind of Connection, correlation, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what you would call it. But, uh, you know, any time that, uh, that I have investigated uh, one type of unusual phenomena, um, boy, I mean, <laughs> you can just uh, uh, put even money on that there is something else going on in the nearby uh, vicinity. Yeah, certainly agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, another, another thing that uh, <clears throat> kind of makes me feel simpatico with you is that uh, we're both journalists, and uh, uh, I was a newspaper man for many years. I st- I'm still a magazine editor, and uh, I-, I-, I like to think that that trains you to be somewhat objective, although some of our broadcast colleagues, I don't know, I wonder about that sometimes, but <laughs> nevertheless, uh, it-, it does uh, imply that you are certainly a trained observer, and, and that deserves respect as well. So uh, let's move on to Egypt. Um, what were you doing at the Great Pyramids, and what, what was what was cooking over there? Well, I uh, when I when I was working in Indianapolis, I, I worked for the uh, the public television station there, and uh, they they had uh, as with a lot of public television stations, they had a for profit arm. 
uh, that uh, they would basically hire us out to, uh, um, you know, say uh, say you had a network that was coming into town uh, to, to, to cover a story, and uh, rather than bringing their own crew with them, they would go and hire, you know, local crews. And so we did a lot of that. And uh, we did a lot of uh, work for a national uh, uh, broadcasted show called um, The Morning Agriculture Report. And it, it, it's exactly how it sounds. One of these shows would be on like at you know, 5.30 in the morning, and it was geared towards farmers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they'd talk about, uh, you know, like hog futures and things like that. But they also did um, uh, just a huge amount of international travel. Uh, and uh, so I was, I was fortunate to, uh, to be able to travel um, for, you know, over like about a five-year period to uh, practically almost every country in the, uh, in the world uh, uh, for this. So it got to the point where if I knew ahead of time, uh, and sometimes I didn't, if I knew ahead of time that I was going to be going to a particular country, I'd reach out to uh, people that I would know in that country um, uh, who had similar interests of my own when it came to you know the, the, the world of the weird, as I call it, uh, so I could uh, um, look into stuff. And uh, one, of the, one situation was that the, um, in Cairo, and uh, at the, uh, the 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 Giza plateau, and uh, we looked into uh, a, a number, uh, a couple of different things. Um, one of the main ones that uh, one of the main things that we looked at was we had gotten some reports from people who who said that they had had um, like like um, um, elevated experiences in the uh, uh, the king's chamber in uh, in the great pyramid and when I say by elevated experiences I mean that uh, they it would almost be like psychedelic like a psychedelic experience they would go in hmm. there and, and they'd be say like with a tour group and uh, just all of a sudden it was like they had been dosed with you know LSD or, or, or something along those lines and uh, 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 very uh, some of these people came out Changed. I mean, it was like a, a religious or spiritual and mystical experience. Uh, and this coming from people who, I mean, you know, had no previous interest or knowledge of any of this kind of, uh, of thing, and they would come out just like uh, extremely changed. And uh, so when I went in there, um, and, uh, you know, we, we basically, you know, like bribed some officials to let us go in there early in the morning, um, uh, before the uh, before it was open for tourists, and I actually um, I laid down in the um, you know they call it a sarcophagus. It's not. I mean, it's actually it's just like a like a granite box uh, there in the grand chamber, uh, the the king's chamber. Uh, and it's got like a corner broken out of it. Nobody really knows exactly you know what it was for, and. Um, when I laid down in that chamber, I had a an experience that I mean, to this day, I still haven't quite come to terms with it. Where I lived another life um, in about less than a thirty second thirty seconds in in real time, it seemed to me that I lived an entire life. 
in in ancient Egypt. And I mean, it it comes back to me in bits and pieces um, about it. But I still I, I'm, I'm still in the process of trying to chronicle the whole situation because when 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 they pulled me off of, out of there, I mean I was I mean I was I was just it, it was like that I had been shocked with electricity directly to my brain. Very that's, interesting. That's the way I described it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to take our bottom of the hour break here, and I, I want to continue the conversation about this experience in the Great Pyramid. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 in New England's beautiful but rainy Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. It's your business. The health of our economy, the strength of our businesses affects every individual, every family. I'm Frank Prosnitz. Each Thursday, we'll visit with leaders to discuss important business and economic issues. Join me Thursdays at 4 p.m. on WOON. It's your business because it is. Okay, welcome back, and we're going to talk about our charities at the end of the show, because I want to keep, we're burning up the hour here with Tim Swartz, and I want to uh, get on with it. Now, Tim, uh, before we burn up the hour, would you please tell us about your websites, your books, where people can find out more about you, and uh, let's, uh, let's take care of that before uh, we have a chance not to. Sure, yeah. Uh, my website is uh, conspiracyjournal.com, and I'll say that again, conspiracyjournal.com. And uh, I uh, uh, put this together along with uh, uh, Tim Beckley and Global Communications. That uh, uh, you know, gosh, uh, we we've had this uh, uh, site up since I think around like 1996. I mean, it's it's been up for a long, long time in 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 various different incarnations. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and from that site, we also have the uh, the, the Conspiracy Journal newsletter. Uh, which is a uh, a free weekly uh, email newsletter that uh, it's it's basically an a- aggregate of uh, the week's weird stories. I have stringers all over the world that uh, that send me interesting stories that uh, I then have to try to pare down to about seven or eight uh, uh, per <laughs> issue. And uh, you know, if anyone's interested, they can sign up for free and uh, uh, and, and get that email and uh, get the newsletter. And, I tell you something. I mean, it's uh, we've been we've been doing it for years and years now, and it just uh, it, it just keeps growing in popularity. <laughs> I said, no, it's, I remember receiving it for years and years myself. Uh, Tim Beckley is a dear friend of uh, both Tim's and ours, and uh, he's been on our show many times. Most recently, he came all the way up from New York to uh, on the train. We picked him up, and he came to the station where. And it was, his last appearance on this station was fifty years ago with Joe Ferrier, whom we mentioned uh, as being one of the the major figures in uh, UFO repeaters, which uh, uh, has just come out. So we're, we're, we'll promote that a little bit later on. But but thanks, Tim, and uh, it's, it's really good stuff. And uh, Tim's style is 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 kind of unique, <laughs> and it's uh, but he's a, he's a he's a great great asset to the uh, and one of the earliest uh, UFO researchers there. So okay, so let's let's. Uh, I had a question about the Great Pyramid experience. It reminds me of something that I call. The flashing nexus, and I happened to I amazed my son on one show a couple of years ago by bringing that because we'd never discussed that before. The it's often at least when I've run into it, it's often part of the um, uh, near death experience or release the out of the body experience where people feel that there's someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I have several 
several uh, near-death experiences where people said that they, they, they were all of a sudden they were the nurse or they were the doctor or they were somebody in another room, and it was as real as anything. And, and uh, our explanation for what it's worth is that they are experiencing parallel lives in the quantum multiverse or in the quantum hologram, however you want to describe that. So wh- wh- what say you about that, that sort of thing and the experience you had? Do you know who you were or when you were? Yeah, you know, um, it's... Uh... Uh, you know, and I haven't. Uh, you know, I've, I haven't really talked about this experience very much. I've never written about it. Well, then, we're, well, then we're honored to have you talking about it on the show. Well, because um, uh, a lot of the memory that I have of it is still, you know, it's still just just fragments. And plus, you know, it's it's kind of it's a personal experience, and I don't want to, you know, like muddy the waters with I my own, you. Yeah. you know, investigations yeah. and stuff by you know by, by talking talking about this too much. But uh, you know, I had the feeling. That um, uh, it, it was a, a life that was going on right now in parallel to uh, my current life, but I don't. Ha- I didn't have the feeling that you know that that how do I put it that that I was that person. It was more like I was um, having this person's experience at the same time. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh no, yeah, it does. Yeah, you know, uh, but I don't feel like. It's like you said. I don't feel like that it was taking place in the past, even though it 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 was a you know like a, an, an ancient uh, Egyptian uh, uh, setting. I, I'm like you. I mean, I have I have the uh, uh, the impression that that time exists um, all all together, so to speak. Past, present, and future all exist at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I just I had the I had the feeling that I was uh, experienced what we refer to as the past, but actually you know it, it's more like a, a parallel uh, a timeline uh, with our own. But I, I, I did I had the feeling that I mean I, you know not not like a you know like a pharaoh or anybody high up or anything like that. Uh, it seemed like that the life this was a person that was a fairly low muckety muck. Um, but working, uh, uh, working with stone, and uh, 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 a lot of it was taking place like within a hut, and just just constantly uh, chipping away at rocks and stones, making uh, making shapes that were then picked up, and then I would start on the next one. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's uh, from what I can remember, it, it was fairly you know a, a fairly mundane experience. <laughs> As long as none of the stones fell on you, uh, as they might have in that uh, that house in Ohio, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. So, all right. <laughs> you know, these these were uh, a fairly good fairly good size, but I mean, you know, <laughs> we're not talking about you know like the the three ton ones or anything. Well, that's reassuring. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dan, did you have any questions? I, I, I'm I'm running through here because I'm so excited about the conversation. Oh, I know. I'm I'm working on some. Don't worry about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, now, now, Tim, uh, let's go back to how, how did you first get involved in this field? Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, I, I, I never was, a lot of people, you know, they'll tell you, oh, well, you know, I was interested in this kind of stuff ever since I was a little kid. That's the I, standard bio. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, that, that really wasn't for me. I mean, you know, um, it, it wasn't until uh, sometime in elementary school when uh, when I was given an assignment by the teacher um, about uh, uh, flying saucers. There was a UFO flap going on in the United States at the time. <laughs> And, uh, uh, you know, our class uh, periodically were, we were given, you know, like news events 
to you know uh, write about and then uh, and then do the presentation from the class. And so mine was about flying saucers. I'd never heard of flying saucers before, and not really that interested. So I gave I gave my report, and um, it just it, I, I was then um, um, dubbed you know like the uh, the flying saucer guy. You know, I was the guy who, you know, I was the kid that, you know, that I believed in Martians and Little Green Men and all that, and uh, uh, and and it stuck. Yeah, <laughs> it stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting thing that that got me started then on this was that, you know, people would go and you know, like, make fun of you to your face and you know, in front of everybody else, but then they'd come back to you later, and they'd say, you know, I don't believe in this stuff. But, and then, you know, they would tell me about, you know, like a UFO that they saw or, or that their house was haunted or, or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, that, that's happened to us with healthcare professionals. I remember right. addressing a group of psychiatrists, and uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, I, I wonder if, you know, having worked in psychiatric hospitals as a seminary student and as a grad student, you know, are these people really, say, schizophrenic, or are they experiencing worlds that, really do exist and that we can't see. Mm-hmm. And uh, their eyes would turn red and the steam would come out of the ears. <laughs> but then they'd come up afterwards privately and say, you know, I suspected the same thing, but I don't want to say that or else I'll get fired. You know, right. that kind of thing. So so I, I, I hear you really, you know, on, on situations such as that. Um, so what about the Great Wall of... Oh, Ben's got a question. I do have a question, actually. Well, actually, this is more of a question to save for the end, so I'll, I'll let you let you uh, con- continue with your, your cross-examination. All right. All right. What about the Great Wall of China, Tim? What what was going on over there? Well, the Great Wall of China, again, this this was a situation where we were on a uh um, we were on a trip with uh, uh various uh, uh government, uh, United States government uh, uh agriculture um, uh, executives. And uh so um, I contacted some uh, some people I knew in uh, in in China. Uh, just to see if there's anything uh, interesting going on, and uh, and sure enough, they're uh, at uh, at the Great Wall, and uh, there's uh, just uh, about an hour drive outside of Beijing. There is like the the, the typical um, tourist spot where you can um, access the Great Wall. It's, I mean, that's that's the spot where you know they've done most of the major reconstruction and I mean it's you know it's absolutely you know beautiful and awesome site. Well, w- what they also they don't tell you is that uh, that area is also uh, extremely haunted. Um, there have been uh, multiple sightings throughout the years of um, specters of, uh, of various different kinds. Uh, 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 one of them, and, 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 and the one that I really took interest in, um, was uh, somebody on horseback who was wearing uh, what what appeared to be, you know, like maybe you know, fifteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth century, um, uh, like like a, a, a Mongolian uh, a warrior. Uh, 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 Outfit, uh, uh, riding a horse up and down uh, the Great Wall, right in that that, that middle section. <laughs> and so uh, we went out there early in the morning. Uh, again, you know, I mean, it's it, you know, it's it's amazing. It's a little, it's a little bit more difficult with the uh, Chinese officials to uh, to let them uh, um, uh, to allow the, uh, me 
to go there with my video camera mm -hmm. um, because a lot of these places, if you have a professional video camera, you have to pay an exorbitant fee uh, because they think you know you, you you know you're from Hollywood or or, or, or someplace like that, <laughs> and that you're going to make a bunch of money mm -hmm. off of uh, off of them. So you know, I convinced them that that wasn't the case. I mean, it was just a, you know just a little uh, little news guy. Uh, you know, paid him a little bit of money, and and we were able to actually um, uh, uh, go up to this area where reportedly, you know, people were hearing and seeing uh, this guy on horseback riding up and down, and we actually heard ourselves uh, the sound of um, um, uh, 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 of horse hooves. We didn't see anything, but. Um, uh, I tell you something. This was one of these. This is one of these situations. You know, the sun was coming up. I mean, it was really quiet where we were. You know, the the birds, you know, chirping. Beautiful morning, and you could hear, you know, like the the clip clop of uh, of, of horse hooves up and down on the uh, the stone uh, where we were, and 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 then the most bizarre thing about it is is that that sound did not make it onto uh, the videotape. You know, we, I was shooting, you know, everything worked fantastic. I mean, we were like high-fiving each other. Yes, we got this when we went back. All as you could see, I mean, it was just us saying, wow, did you hear that? Did you hear that? And none of it was on the audio track of videotape. Well, if I, if I had a nickel for every time that's happened to me, I wouldn't have to do this. So I, I, I tell you something, it just, I mean, it, it floored me. Yep. Because you could hear it so clearly, and you could almost—it was almost like you could feel it. Yeah, I, know, I hear in, you. In, in yeah. the pay, you know, in, in the pavement underneath, but none of it made it, mm -hmm. you know, uh, on the audio track. <laughs> That's it. Uh, we have an email from uh, Peter in Albany, New York, and Peter wants to know: Have in your in your work as a UFO investigator, have you worked with abductees, and what do you feel is the alien agenda? A little bit different from what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I have worked um, with some abductees, and, and and I'm extremely cautious about the whole uh, experience because um, uh, so many people have been influenced by the media mm -hmm. that it's 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 really become uh, difficult to distinguish somebody who may be just having some kind of wish fulfillment type of situation, which is, you know, which is extremely, you know, strange to think, uh, because a lot of abductees have had, you know, not, not very good experiences. Um, yeah, when it comes to the whole idea of, of you know, as, as, as they say, what, what was it like the alien agenda? You know, I'm, I am not convinced that the UFO phenomena is entirely um, you know, nuts and bolts extraterrestrial. Nor am I. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, well, and from my own experiences, I mean, there is a very uh, a, a definite paranormal um, uh, uh, part to uh, uh, UFOs. I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there could very well be um, nuts and bolts spacecraft, you know, visiting us from other planets, other dimensions, you know, maybe even time travel. Mm -hmm. uh, uh but I, 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 I don't think that the entire answer to the UFO phenomena is extraterrestrials. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it always, you know, it, it, it always kind of gets me a bit when I'm reading a book uh, about uh, UFOs. 
when uh, the author refers to them constantly as spaceships. Right. You know, it's just like, you know, well, uh, where do you get that from? I mean, uh, we're talking about UFOs, unidentified flying objects. They're, as mm. far as you know, they're not spaceships. You're, you're putting your own opinion uh, in that, you know, whether it be, you know, unconsciously or not. Uh, you know, you're, you're, it, that's, that's not the case as far as I'm concerned. So. <laughs> I don't know if I answered that question or just more danced around it a little bit, but <laughs> no, no, that, that, that's a good answer. That's a, that's a pretty pretty good answer. Well, so that sort of lead, leads into uh, a question I have, which is, um, you seem to be sort of in the same same sort of uh, area of agreement as as my dad and myself are, in that we're it's it's hard to tell where where we're going in in this in the sphere of the paranormal like you like how how do you well let me put this in the form of a question how do you feel about um where paranormal the paranormal research area is is going like do you, do you think it's it's getting more overly influenced by the media it's getting too ridiculous and all the serious people are drowned out or do you think that some of the seriousness is actually coming through and people are starting to really you know grasp onto that well, you know, it's it's a little from column A and a little from column B. Um, I, I think that more people have been exposed to uh, the, the the paranormal and the whole idea of, uh, of UFOs and, and, and Bigfoot things like that from these uh, reality shows that have become so so predominant. Uh, unfortunately, that will all, that also tends to muddy the waters. And it, it allows people who are trying to uh, uh, put across the hoax uh, to do it a little bit more easier because some of this knowledge has become um, uh, a lot more common. Uh, so um, I, I, I'm happy to see that people have become more aware of what's actually going on, uh, you know, in in this universe, that that there's more go, you know, that, that there's more than than just what you see and feel in front of you. Uh, then again, uh, the whole pop culture attitude uh, of it is, um, and and you know, I mean, it's it, it, unfortunately it's it's always been you know, always been this case. But then it, it, it kind of makes it a a, a, a joke and uh, you know something that. Uh, you know, like, haha, you know, let's get the Ouija board out and, you know, we'll call it, uh, you know, the spirits of the dead and, 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 and all that. And definitely, you know, none of this stuff, I mean, you know, uh, looking for, for UFOs or ghosts or, or what have you is, um, um, it, 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 it can be dangerous. Uh, yes. I, 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 oh, I always, so. you know, I always tell people like, oh, you know, what can I do, you know, to to go and uh, find a ghost or to see a UFO or call them down, and and I always tell them, don't, <laughs> you know, don't uh, invite this stuff. Yeah, you're one of the few people, along with myself, who said that. I was addressing a group in in '06, I think it was in in Florida, which was a group. I, I was speaking against my better judgment at a. Conference for beginning ghost hunters, right? Uh, and they said, if you have, um, you know, Paul, if you have one uh, one word to, of advice, uh, what would it be? I said, I would, I said, don't. I said just what you said. I don't. And you know, two hundred and thirty people stared at me, <laughs> and I said, you know, however, here we all are. So uh, you know, my presentation was uh, all about caution and, and what this, what you could be dealing with. I mean, you cannot approach that as if it were stamp collecting. Nope. You know. And that's the problem, hobbyist stuff. And, and 
which we, seems to dominate pretty much a majority of the uh, of the area or they're try they're attempting to prove to materialistic science that oh these things do exist Oh, but they, but they they don't even talk to each other, let alone uh, no. peer review or any no, no, sort no. of academic discipline. Oh, I mean, it's, it's not there. Well, the, it's it's working against itself. It's like a it's like a big a big paradox attempting to to prove something that is almost impossible to replicate to a materialistic science that is extremely empirical. Yeah, in, right. it's, extremely it's narrow, really. Exactly, it's very it's it's almost like an illogical like move to even join a group like that. Well, all that said, uh, Tim, what's your opinion on, on our impression, which may or may not be valid, that there seem to be more paranormal phenomena being recorded, or at least reported, and that it tends to be a little bit more negative? Now, now granted, uh, the caveat there is that we have an information society. Everybody knows everything. The Internet is, is, is uh, everywhere. Uh, do you think that that... Uh, Initial statement is true that there's more paranormal phenomena and that perhaps it's more negative, or we just know about these things more readily than we used to. I don't think that there has been a, a change or an increase or anything like that. It's like you said, I mean, you know, we uh, you know, we're, we now live in a you know like a, a mass media, uh, immediate twenty-four hour news uh, information societies, and it's uh, you know especially with the predominance of uh, uh, cameras and you know and cell phones and things like that, people are able to uh, record more and more of these situations, and and I think that because of uh, the 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 media bringing attention to this stuff, um, you know, in, 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 a, in a popular uh, uh, fashion, that people have become more aware uh, that this stuff actually exists. I mean, it used to be that, uh, and I would say that probably you know, ninety-nine percent to a hundred percent of of people have had some kind of unusual experience in their life. But because you know, in the past they had no frame of reference to what had happened to them. And, and no way to describe it, and plus they don't they don't want to describe it because they're afraid of uh, being thought of crazy and made fun uh-huh. of. Uh, uh, you know, nobody would talk about it. Now it's become a lot more socially acceptable to talk about these things, and and you know, and in fact, a lot of people clamor to have these experiences and get it you know get it on Facebook or on television or or, or whatever. And as for um, more negative aspects of it, I think it has remained the same. Um, it's, it's a matter of perception. If yes. you go into an experience like that with the idea that you're dealing with evil spirits or demons or anything like that, then the phenomena is going to, it, it's almost like wish fulfillment. It, it, it's going to uh, go in that direction. That was always one of the main things that I had against the warrants. Is yeah, that they, yeah. they would always go into a case, and I mean, they'd, they'd go in and say, "Yep, you got demons here." Yeah, well, then yeah. naturally, the phenomena starts uh, acting that way. Hmm. Uh, you know, and I found that time and time again that if you go into a situation uh, saying that, "Oh, well, you know, this, this, this," there's there's nothing you know horrible going on here. It's going to go and you know peter out after a while then that tends to be the case. If you go in saying, oh, my God, there are demons and evil spirits here, and it's going to last for years and years, well, hey, oddly enough, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. You know? No, I think there's a lot of truth to that, and I saw it in my own eyes. Uh, 
in the cases I worked with with them. Uh, not they were old friends. Not not to uh, malign anybody. I had personal affection for, but uh, you couldn't deny what you just said. I think, you know, it's certainly true. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim, on the issue of um, um, the exopolitics movement, the idea that we can, well, I think the the foundational idea is that we, we can approach uh, alien life, however you may define that, uh, extraterrestrial, extra-dimensional, extra-temporal, whatever, do you think it's it's sort of... I find them rather naive, and what do you say? Because I, I don't know if, we, if we, could, we can assume that these are would treat us as equals, whoever or whatever they may be, if there's anything. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, what say you? Um, I, I, w- I would tend to agree. Um, I, I, I would say that if we are dealing uh, with an intelligence uh, that is wanting to con- make contact with us, it would have done so a long time ago. Uh, yeah, you'd you think know, so. I mean, yeah. you know, people have been on this planet for, you know, millions of years, and whatever this uh, uh, phenomena is, whether it be extraterrestrial or, 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 or what have you, it has been a part of us all this time, but it has remained somewhat in the shadows, and a lot, and well, not a lot of times, but I would say almost all the time, is in uh, uh, certain ways deceptive mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason. You know, I mean, you know, I'm not going to go and say it's deceptive because, you know, it's going to kidnap us and, you know, serve us for dessert. I mean, there's... Well, I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there, there may be something going on that it's deceptive, uh, you know, for for good reason. Mm-hmm. Or it just could be that it just doesn't care. You know, we're just like squirrels in the backyard to them. No, precisely, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, the the issue of uh, of the name of your publication it's always intrigued me. Conspiracy Journal and the website conspiracyjournal dot com. You don't come across as a conspiracy theorist, are you? Uh, no, not really. I mean, you know, we 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 touch upon uh, uh, conspiracy, you know, uh, stuff as well. But uh, the name actually came from uh, uh, from Tim Beckley. He had. A, uh, a kind of like a catalog newsletter long before the internet, and and he called it conspiracy journal. I remember that I used to get that. Yeah. Right, and and it it, it still it still exists. I mean, a print uh, print issued uh, comes out every co- you know a couple of years, and uh, so we were just kind of like you know musing over what we were going to call the website, and uh, uh, at first uh, I think we were going to call it like uh, UFO news or you know something kind of mundane like that, and and then I said, well why not just conspiracy journal. You know, I said, that's that's what you've got now. Uh, let's just let's just go with that. Okay, know. all right, very good. Well, Tim, uh, we have a bunch of questions. We'll have to save for the next show because uh, we're almost out of time. <laughs> Give us your website and and uh, your information uh, one more time so people will be able to pick it up. Sure. Again, uh, our website is uh, conspiracyjournal.com, and uh, we have a, a email newsletter at the uh, with the same name. You can sign up uh, for that. Any uh, uh, any book that I have, and I've got a bunch of them, <laughs> and so does uh, Tim Beckley. All you have to do is just go to Amazon.com and uh, type in, uh, you know, like Tim Swartz, Tim Beckley, you know, something along the line, and every one of our books will, will, will come up. Uh, <laughs> you can't You can't miss them. Our, our, uh, our most recent is UFO Repeaters, Seen as Believing, The Camera Doesn't Lie, 
And then I've got one that just came out not too long ago called America's Strange and Supernatural History. Very good. And, of course, you were for repeaters, as we said, to repeat, so to speak. Uh, has a whole chapter on Joe Ferrier, a beloved uh, radio talk show host in, uh, in this area, this part of New England for f- over 50 years. And uh, it's a great book. They're, they're fun to read. Uh, they're big, you know, and floppy books. You know, you can get them in your lap. They're, they're really great. So, Tim, what a great pleasure to have you with us. And Indeed, we're going to do it, it again very soon. Well, thank you very much. I had a great time tonight, and I hope your audience enjoyed it as well. Okay, we'll be in touch off the air. Indeed. Uh, okay. Have a good one. Okay. Okay, let's get to our announcements, folks, in our last few minutes. Uh, we had a great time at Ashworth-by-the-Sea in Hampton Beach, New Hampshire, on Saturday, uh, April 18th, during the Northeast Parafest. Uh, we spoke on the paranormal as the background to human history, and many thanks to Tom Spitaleri and the folks from the New England Ghost Project who organized the event to benefit the, benefit the historic Hilldale Cemetery in Haverhill, Mass. And on Saturday, September 5th, we're scheduled to speak once again at the Exeter UFO Festival in Exeter, New Hampshire. The uh, town-wide event is organized by the Kiwanis Club to benefit local children's charities. Other speakers will be uh, uh, next week's guest, actually. and That is the great Stanton Friedman, along with Richard Dolan, Kathleen uh, Marden, and Jennifer Stein. And we'll provide more information as the date approaches. And following that, Saturday, October 10th, we'll speak again at the Greater New England UFO Conference. That's formerly the New England UFO Conference, now the Greater New England UFO Conference at City Hall in Lemonster, Mass. Other speakers will include Richard Dolan, Peter Robbins, maybe Stan Friedman. We'll ask him next week if he's going to be there, and other UFO greats. Watch for more information on that event and others coming up this year. Also, don't forget about our website where you can find that information as well as all sorts of other cool stuff, including 600 free podcasts from all of our past shows on ON 1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS radio and special shows and podcasts. The website is BehindTheParanormal.com. And you can find my books there, as well as at Amazon.com and all the usual suspects, uh, Barnes & Noble Nook and all that. If you order them at BehindTheParanormal.com, I will sign them for you, and you will be help us keep all those podcasts free. Also, we point out uh, on our websites there are links to the charities Ben and I have adopted, including USACares.org, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, doing amazing things for at-risk youth out there, and also uh, BuildersHelpingHeroes.org here in Rhode Island. And there are two new books uh, we talked about uh, on that site as well, and also with our guest this evening from Tim Beckley's publishing company. One is The Bell Witch Project, which contains a story, that story, and also a few contributions by yours truly on that. Okay, so next Monday uh, on uh, April 27th here on ON1240 and ONWorldwide.com, nuclear physicist and grandfather of ufology, Stan Friedman, returns to the show. And we'll leave you this evening with a quote attributed to that old sweetheart, Albert Einstein. If you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough, unquote. All right, I'm Paul Eno, and uh, we're going to be... Um, okay, all right, right. Uh, anyway, let me... We've got a few extra minutes here, so we do. So remind you again about our website, BehindTheParanormal.com, and our main website, NewEnglandGhosts.com. And don't forget, both books that we did mention are available at Amazon.com, and don't forget about those links online uh, at the online bookstore at our show website. That's BehindTheParanormal.com, and that's about all the time we have this evening. He is Paul Eno. I am Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.